stronger. He is the victor. We're going to continue today with our study of the Gospel of John. We started last fall. We took a break during Christmas in January. And then when uh, Lent began, we went back where we left off. And so today we're going to be looking at the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John. The 11th chapter. Now, before we start reading this story of an event in Jesus' life, I just wanted to kind of set, give you, give you the setting for what's going on here. Life in the Holy Land in Jesus' day was very similar in some ways to the way that it is today. There was a lot of tension. There was a lot of political tension. The people were divided. The Jewish people, who were the majority population in the land, were very divided among themselves as to how things should proceed. So there were political divisions. There were occupiers. And there were the people who were occupied, living in occupation. And so there was always this political tension going on behind all of these stories. And as we've seen, as we've read through the Gospel of John, there is a mounting tension between the Jewish people who had political power and Jesus. For Jesus came proclaiming things that were going to shake up their world. And they had had all the shaking they wanted. They didn't want any more shaking. There was enough trouble, and they thought Jesus would just create more trouble and more difficulties for them. Now, today, the story we were going to read is about death. Everybody's favorite subject, isn't it? But it's something that's a part of our lives. There's no way to get around it. Um, We live and act like it's not going to happen, but it is. And people that we love very deeply are going to die. And then we're left and we've got to live on and we've got to figure out how to put life back together. Uh, Many of you, most of us who are here, we've had to confront the difficulty of death and grief already. When I was a child, I had pets that died. My grandmother died, but I was so little. I I did go to the funeral, but it it really didn't. Grandmother died. That's kind of the way it felt to me as such a small child. But when I was a young adult in grad school, my grandfather died. It shook my world. It tore up everything. All of my life, the way I thought I had it put together and the way I was going, everything fell to pieces. And I found out what grief is like. What a heavy, painful load it is to carry day after day with no end ever in sight. All of the structures in my life destroyed. 
And you got to go on. So how do you do it? Well, in the story we're going to read today, Jesus has something to say to us. Something about grief. So I know some of you who are here today, you are grieving the recent loss of someone you have loved dearly. And so for you, this is a very, very fresh subject. For some of us who are here, it's been longer. And so it's not as fresh and it's not as painful today as it is for some of us. But the truth is, for all of us, we're going to face those days. It's a part of being on the planet. We're going to face those kinds of days at some point. And the good news is, God doesn't leave us to face them all alone. And so let us read this story. We're going to begin at the first verse of the Gospel of John, chapter 7. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped wiped his feet with her hair. And it's kind of funny that Jesus put that sentence, or Jesus, that John put that sentence in there because, because it hadn't happened yet. He's going to tell us all about that in chapter 12 where we're going to look next week. But he puts it in here just so we've, we've got the picture all straight. And so, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you. And yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Believe. That's a very key word all through John, isn't it? We've seen it over and over so that you may trust in me. And he continued, but let us go to him. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On, well, let's see, let's just stop right there for now. So here we have the beginning of this story. Jesus' friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus has left. 
and gone for gone over into another province because the people the last time he was in Judea at Jerusalem, the political leaders there had become so enraged with him that they had tried to kill him. They had started to have him stoned, which used to seem like a very strange, odd thing to us. But now more and more in the news, because we pay more attention to what goes on in the Middle East, we hear of stonings that take place even today, execution by stoning. And so the disciples are saying, Jesus, you can't go back there. It's not safe. We don't want to go back there. They know we're your followers. They know we're your disciples. It isn't safe for any of us to go back there. He's sleeping. Fine. He'll be okay. Mary and Martha can take care of him. They don't need us. It's very interesting that Thomas... When Jesus said, he's dead and I'm going, Thomas said, well, let us all go then. I'm going too. I'm not going to let him go by myself. I am devoted to him. And he, if he goes and dies, I will go and die with him. So come on, guys. Let's just go and die with him. That's devotion. And so they headed back. Now, I want you to know where it is that they were going. They were going to this little, at that time, it was a very, very small little village of Bethlehem. And so this is an aerial shot, uh, aerial, well, this is a satellite picture of, of the, the territory where we're talking about. And I know it just looks like a whole bunch of buildings and a bunch of confusion. So I'm going to help you see what is here. Right here is the city wall of Jerusalem. You can see it going around this way of the old city of Jerusalem. Here is where the temple was built. And right here, you've seen pictures of it before, is the Dome of the Rock which uh, sits on the place where the temple once once was. So this is this is Jerusalem. Now right here is going around like this is the Mount of Olives. So uh, it's just across this valley. You can see it's not very far. It's just across this valley. And so here's the Mount of Olives. And then right over here, right over here, now you can see it's bigger, but right over here was the little village of Bethany. Less than two miles. Yes, it's less than two miles. If you walk along the highway, you can see the highway. It's an old highway. It's been there. It's been there since the time of Jesus and before. So it's a very old highway. And yeah, it turns and wiggles and, and goes around um, the, the contours of the Mount of Olives to get on the far side. To where Bethany is. So it's, it's not two miles, but it's getting close. But if you just go straight over, it's like a mile and a half. A lot of you walk or run more than a mile and a half every day just for your exercise. It's not very far, is it? So this is really, really close to Jerusalem. Do you see why the disciples are a little tense about going? Right over here at the temple is the headquarters of this government, of these political people who are trying to kill Jesus in the first place. They say, Jesus, it's not even a good race. I mean, the distance, it's short. We don't want to get that close to that place. And what we're going to see is there were a whole lot of people from Jerusalem who went over to try to comfort Mary and Martha. 
because it wasn't far. And so, so they were heading over that direction. Let's see. I think we may have a picture of Bethany, do we? So here's what Bethany looks like today. You can see it's, it's not just a little village anymore. And it's not, called, it's not called Bethany anymore either. It's called the town of Lazarus. El Lazaria is the name of the little village today. Well, let's keep on reading the story. Okay, we're going to pick up at verse 17. On his arrival, his arrival in Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. She told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. So, I just messed up the people on the protector because I read further than I was supposed to. I don't know what they did. Maybe they kept up with us. I don't know. Okay. So there's the next piece of the story. Martha comes out. She hears he's coming. They're having this big wake, this visitation. All of these friends have come to comfort the sisters. They have compassion upon them. These two sisters, their brother has died. And so they come to visit them. Martha hears Jesus is coming. Someone comes in and says, Jesus is coming down the road. And so she runs out. She didn't have to run very far because the village was very tiny. So she runs out, and she meets him before he even gets to town. And she says, if only, Jesus. We have all lived with if onlys, haven't we? You guys, if only I had studied harder on the test material. If only I had paid more attention in class. Or if only I had not carried on so and said those words during our last fight. 
Or, if only I had had that medical test sooner. Or, if only I hadn't drunk so much. If only. We've all done the if only thing. Now, the if only is not really about the past, is it? The if only is really about, I wish my present circumstances were different. I don't like the way things are. And if only something different had happened back there, then I, uh, these circumstances I'm facing, they wouldn't be the same. They would be more to my liking. And so she says, Jesus, if only you would have come when we called for you. We know you can heal people. We wouldn't be here grieving. We wouldn't be in mourning. We wouldn't be carrying this heavy, painful burden. If only you had been here. Now, Jesus, we read his conversation with Martha. And he invites her. To consider the future. So he begins to talk to her about resurrection. And she says, oh, I know about the resurrection. I believe the resurrection is going to come. The resurrection, someday the, the righteous will be raised. I know that. I know that. In their, in their world... In in the Jewish society at the time, there were two groups of people, two significant groups. A a large group of of the population believed that there was going to be a resurrection, that there's life after death. They they would read the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. In there he talks about resurrection and life after death. So they believed in life after death. But there was another very significant group that said, no, when you're dead, you're dead and it's over. There's no life after death. But she says, yeah, we're, we know what the book of Daniel says. We believe. Yeah, there's resurrection in the de- of the dead at the end. But that's a long time from now, I think. So that doesn't help me out a whole lot, Jesus. I know that at the end, there's going to be the resurrection And having reminded her of the future, Jesus tells her, now I'm pulling that here, right into your present. I have brought the kingdom of God. Remember, over and over, Jesus has said words like, the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Or the kingdom of heaven is within you. And he says to her, it's not just way out there somewhere. I'm bringing it here. I am here. I am, he said, the resurrection and the life. Now, we've heard him say statements, I am before. Last week it was, I am the good shepherd. I am the gate for the sheep. We read that and we talked about that. But today he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, 
Do you remember who I really am, Martha? Why it is that you think I can heal? I am the creator. The Logos. We read about that in chapter 1. I am the creator of the world. The sovereign. I am the Lord of all things. I am the source of all life. Everything that exists, exists because I brought it into being. So he says, Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me. Now, he's not just saying, okay, Martha, intellectually you say, yes, there is a resurrection someday. He's not talking about that kind of belief. He's saying, Whoever trusts that I really am who, who I have told you. Whoever trusts their whole life into my care. Whoever becomes, becomes a person of faith where they depend upon me. Where they say, yes, you are the Lord, the sovereign. You are the almighty one, the creator. You are the source, the, the Lord and giver of life. So I trust you, regardless of my circumstances. There's the thing. Regardless of my circumstances, I know who you are, and I will trust you, Jesus. And he says, whoever is like that, whoever will believe, whoever trusts, will not die. Or if they die, they will live again, for I am Sovereign. Now, the key to it all, this is so very important for us to understand. The key to it all is trust, faith, believe. This kind of absolute, I will live my life that way. I will live my life trusting in him regardless of the circumstances. I can guarantee you sometime your, the circumstances of your life are not going to be circumstances that encourage you to trust that he is in control and he is caring for you. It's not going to look like it sometimes. But that has nothing to do with reality. Because he is caring for you. He loves you. He gives himself, his very presence to you if you trust in him. He is never far off, far away. He is right there with you always. And you are never abandoned. No matter how hopeless it may be. No matter if you have just laid the person you love most in the grave. It is not a time of hopelessness, the circumstances look like it. I know that very well. But Jesus says, Martha, quit looking at the circumstances. Trust me. Trust me. Remember who I am? I am the resurrection and the life so will you trust? Well, let's pick up the story again. Let's see here. We had gotten, I think, to verse 31. So let's begin at verse 32. 
And it continues. The story, remember the Mary's coming uh, out because people, Martha sent a message that Jesus had come. So Mary's come out to meet them. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here. You see, these two sisters felt the very same thing about his absence or about his, his slowness to do what they needed or thought they needed. They both felt the very same way, just like us. They're just like us. We have all felt that way. If only Jesus, then my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. You see, Jesus didn't say, don't cry. It's okay. No. He understood about grief. And he wept with these people he loved because of the load and the burden of grief. Then the Jews who were with them said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Now, they did not embalm people. They did not do anything to preserve the body. What they would do is they would wrap the body in cloths and they would put, put spices and, and herbs, aromatic herbs and spices and perfumes on the body because they didn't do it the way we did. Their, their tombs had shelves in it. And so you just kept using it until all the shelves were full. And, and so you might have a, bo- a decomposing body right over here and somebody else dies and you've got to go in there. So what they did was to try to, to put enough stuff on the body so that if you had to go in there, it wouldn't smell so bad. So they didn't embalm them. And she's a smart woman. She knows. She says, Jesus, we can't just open that and go in there. It's too late. It's too late, Jesus. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, if you trusted, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man 
came out, his hands and feet wrapped with the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. So let's just talk about this a minute. This is an exciting story. Don't you wish? Can you imagine what it would have been like to be there? Can you imagine? Talk about the hair standing up on the back of your neck. You could just feel it going right up your spine. That would... What would you think? I'm sure at, at first there was horror, there was fear, and there was astonished joy at what had occurred. So I, I've got some pictures here for you. Uh, this, is, this is the mouth of the cave. It's still there. This, is, this, is, this has been the spot that, that people have said, this is the tomb of Lazarus. We know at least since the, the fourth century. So this is the cave. And you can see there's lovely signs in case you were going to miss it as you're walking down the street. So Lazarus tomb. You go in this, this little door. And then it's a deep cave. Well, it's not like Carlsbad Caverns. But then you start going downstairs. And you go down you go down, you go down. It's like going down to a second floor cellar down there. It's more than one, one flight. Well, it's only one flight, but it's a really long flight. And you go down. Let's see the next picture. And here is the cave. So there are, there are stairs in this cave. They're coming all the way down around here. And then you come to the door. This is me in 1978. Did you recognize me? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, this is not Lazarus coming out, I promise. All right. Okay. So, so then you come down to the door. Now, the, the door that the stone was on was a flat. Was a flat. It was, if you read it, it says, they took the stone off. So, it was, it was flat, and they moved, shoved the stone away. And then you go down, and you go through a little place about so high, you have to really squat down to get down through the place into the big room where the benches are on which they would lay the bodies. And so all these people get, get the picture in the dark. It's, it's a cave. It's dark. So they bring torches and stuff, you know, and they're holding up torches. So you get the flickering light that a fire gives in the, in the darkness. And there's all these people, this huge crowd of people crowding around on these stairs, trying to, to look around and look over people. What's going on down there? You know, they, they all want to see what, what on earth is going on? This is so bizarre. And then Jesus is standing here, and Mary and Martha, maybe right here by where these guys are standing. You know, they're all just, it's, it's not real big there at the opening where you go down into to the tomb. And, and so they're all standing around, and Jesus says this. Maybe there were a few. <gasps> and then they start hearing something moving inside the grave. Now they wrapped the, the bodies in linen. So it's not like Lazarus just came walking out. He's kind of tied up a little bit, you know, so he has to do this shuffle thing. And, and I'm sure it wasn't real easy for him to get through that kind of tunnel thing to get to the doorway of it. 
And Jesus says, turns around and looks at all these astonished, frightened, whatever emotion people, and he says, untie him and let him go. Now, it's an amazing story. It would have been cool to be in that cave that day. The people's lives were never the same. They walked their mile and a half back to Jerusalem, telling everybody they saw exactly what it was that they had seen. They were just amazed at it. They could not believe it. For you see, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the creator. He's not just a prophet. That's what John's trying to help people see here. He's not just an amazing prophet with some good words. This is one of those signs. You know, we've seen those throughout the book. Remember? When Jesus turned the water into wine, then John said, this is the first sign. And at different events throughout the book, we have seen it. He said, this is the second sign. This is another sign. Well, here's a pretty big sign. This is not just a prophet. This is not just a resuscitation of somebody who, who passed out and maybe their heart quit beating and they stopped breathing for, for several minutes. This is somebody who's been in the grave long enough. He's decomposing. And Jesus gave him life. Because he's the one who gives all of us life. He has the power to do that. Now, you need to understand when this happened. We don't know exactly when it happened. But it probably happened about this time of year. Just a few weeks before Jesus owned Resurrection. He knew what was coming. And John, in this story, he, he knows what's coming. And John, John, there, there's a connection here. And there's supposed to be a connection in our minds about Jesus. The one who is God himself. Come for us. The giver of life. And he is going to give his life for us. He is going to take the curse on himself. Now for Lazarus, Jesus pulled the kingdom of God into the present and he raised Lazarus from the dead. But Lazarus had to die again. He's not walking around here on the earth somewhere. He had to die again. But on that first Sunday after Good Friday, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the Bible says he was the first fruits. He has given to human beings. He gave to that human being he had become. He gave life, 
eternal life, resurrection life, a life that will never end. And what he's trying to help Mary and Martha see, not just, oh, well, now your grief is over because your brother is here. What he's trying to help them see is, you trust me. Don't trust your circumstances. No matter how dark they are today, you have no idea what I, the Lord and giver of life, the resurrection and the life, you don't know what I'm about to do, Jesus is saying. And he says that through the scriptures to you and to me today too. Do we have things in our lives we could get upset about? Do we have things that frighten us? Do we have circumstances that are painful? Yeah, we do. Jesus doesn't say, oh, don't cry. He, he wept with the sisters, remember. It's real. Grief is real. But he said, just remember, I'm changing the circumstances. Yeah, it, right now, they're hard. They are they're just that far from unbearable. They're hard. I know it. But don't give up. Don't despair. Do you trust in me? For I am the resurrection and the life. If you will trust me, you will see everything. Everything will be changed. He told Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Well, do you? Not to minimize the things you face. Not to not to Say, oh, just get over it. That's not the message. The message is, he's the resurrection and the life, the sovereign, and he's going to change it all. Maybe not today, and maybe not tomorrow, and maybe not even this year, but he's going to change it all. So trust him. Let's pray together. Our Father, you are very aware of the destruction and pain that is a part of living on this planet filled with fallen human beings who need a Savior, who need rescued. You know how our circumstances can loom, and you know how great and heavy grief can be. You know what each one of us is facing. We don't even know what we're facing. You do, and we know. We truly know to the depths of our being that you are going to care for us, that you are able to do whatever needs to be done 
even when we are clueless as to what needs to be done. So, Father, sometimes our circumstances weigh upon us and it is, it's a whole lot easier for us to get beaten down under the weight of the circumstances than it is to trust you and have confidence because in spite of our circumstances, you are Lord, you are sovereign, And you will transform the circumstances and bring your kingdom. So help us to trust. Even now, Father, some of us need to just hand it all to you and trust in you. So help us to be able to do that. For just as our worship team sang to us, you are stronger than anything else. You have the power. You can handle it. And you love and delight in us. So, Father, we give you our burdens and we rest in your loving hands. We do believe. And now we ask that you would grant us your blessing as we go from this place. And may we be able to live and rest in your peace regardless of the circumstances. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.